welcome you all here today. It's been absolutely um, really appreciate all of you streaming in here. Um, guys at the back of the, please, the guys at the back of the bandstands, if you can make a little more room for. How you go? You can turn the aircon on. Just like make space for the other 600 people to come in. What we're going to be discussing today in this uh, auditorium is is if you if you can just maybe get the ushers to get those people to come inside. Fantastic. Okay. How's the sound? Good. Um, so what we're going to be discussing today in today's um, seminar is we're going to be discussing anger management. Anger management. Now it's quite fascinating because sorry, could, <laughs> could the person in the back seat calm down? <laughs> we're going to be dealing with anger management and it's um, it's something which, which is quite a, quite a common topic because people generally <laughs> get angry. Um, why is that? What's it all about? Where does it come from? How do you deal with it? And what are the different parameters that we need to be aware of in order to deal with this particular issue? Now, what's very important when dealing with character advancement in general as we've stated many times before is the understanding of the need for strategy that dealing with bad character traits is no different in a certain way than dealing with a malfunctioning part of a person's practical machinery if for example you've just invested in a new coffee machine and the coffee machine starts to malfunction and the cappuccino setting instead of sploshing the milk directly into the cup it starts to eject it through the top creating somewhat of a milk shower <laughs> now if a person if a person is confronted with this problem he doesn't put in a new load of milk and just have very strong intention that he doesn't want it to happen again he really wants this coffee machine to, to, he wants with all his heart and all his might and all his soul and he puts the milk in and yet again we have this massive cascade of, of milk everywhere. He says, well, there's clearly something wrong with the machine that the milk's coming out of the wrong slot. So let's see what's going on in the machinery and how we're going to adjust it. Sorry, the man in the back seat, can you please focus? Thank you. So, we don't want to have you ushered out, do we? Hate it when people do that. So, oh, this is about anger. Um, now, so too with midas. When there's a midas, we start with a premise. The premise is that there's a healthy functioning machine known as a mensch. That's what we're trying to get to. Being a mensch is a preemptory stage to becoming a bentoya, to becoming a person that can subscribe to the mitzvahs. Ironically. In other words, the mitzvahs address a person that's already emotionally intelligent enough. He's already mature enough. He already is out of the childish notions of emotional manipulation that he can then become responsible to transcend. Mitzvahs are transcendent. Before you get to them, you have to become emotionally mature. Otherwise, ironically, you will take the mitzvahs and they will exacerbate in many times. They will 
irritate and exaggerate your malfunction self. Yes, we have a question from the man in the 16th row. Um, <laughs> I thought it was the other way around. That mitzvahs make you become a man. Good, you're wrong. Moving on. <laughs> to perhaps ratify my contention that a prerequisite for the observance of mitzvahs is emotional, being of emotional sound mind, sound mind and emotionally, I will quote you a discussion, a dispute in the Gemara in regard to a particular invalidity to be um, considered as a witness or a judge in a, in a case in the Jewish law. Case in to be participate, either to be a judge or a witness within the context of a Jewish law, there is a certainly, obviously, criteria which are needed for a person to qualify. One of the things which disqualifies you from being a witness or a judge is a profession which is not desirable. And the example, my, one of the examples quoted by the Gemara, is a person who is called a Masachek Bekubia, which literally means a dice player. But to make it more contextual, let's call it a professional gambler. A professional gambler is excluded. I see a lot of concerned looks in the audience. Um, the man in the 23rd row, yes, yes, that's you we're talking about. So, a professional gambler, a professional gambler is not allowed to testify and he's not allowed to be a judge in the case. Why not? What, what, what could be wrong? Uh, granted, he's, he's, there's an element of chance involved in the way he generates his panosa, but nevertheless, why should that invalidate him? So there's a discussion, there's a machlokis in the Gemara between two Amoroim, Rav, Rami Bar Choma and Rav Sheishis. Rami Bar Choma says, the reason is because I think I'm getting the names in the right order. If I'm not, you'll correct me. Um, Rami Bachama says the reason is because there's something intrinsically, intrinsically problematic with gambling. It's a halachically problematic sphere because when a person puts money down, he has intention to win money back and not to lose it. So there's a lacking in terms of his relinquishment of ownership over the money. It's almost as if he doesn't give up hope that the money belongs to him, he retains, as it were, some type of mental hold, some type of understanding of ownership over the money, and when you take it into your pocket, it's a encroaching on the prohibition of stealing. It's not considered absolute stealing, but it generally it smells of theft. It's called in the language of the Gemara, Asmachta, Asmachta, Asmachta Loikanya. When a person commits to doing something, when there's an insincerity in his commitment, so the commitment is not binding. Which is a problem with gambling, which makes a person in the category of a thief. And a thief is invalid to testify, a thief is invalid to give, uh, to act as a judge. But Rav Shashis comes along with a completely different understanding. His understanding is the following phrase. Einoi Oisei his profession that he engages in is not one which is beneficial to the setting, the civilization of the world. I would like to perhaps expand for a few moments on the consequences of what that means. In other words, according to Rav Sheshis, there's absolutely no, as it were, sin, transgression, avera involved in this particular activity. 
it's perfectly legitimate to be a gambler in terms of the halachic realm. What is the problem with it? The problem with this gambling profession is the type of arena that you start to act within. A gambler, because of the nature of his work, never has to enter into contractual obligations. He doesn't to have to meet deadlines. He doesn't have to deal with complex relationships within the working world. He doesn't have to learn how to understand people in terms of the way they work and living up to the commitments that the emotional demands require of him. He lives in his own world, making his money in his own way. As a result, as a result, he stops in his development of his social skills. He retards in his emotional awareness. He remains isolated and incapable of relating to the people around him in an advanced and complex fashion. He doesn't understand people that well. Says Rav Sheshis, the reason why a gambler cannot testify and cannot be a judge is because he doesn't get the world sufficiently, he doesn't understand what's going on. He's not a Baidas. He has no Das. He has no understanding. He has no concept. He doesn't chop things. He just doesn't get it. And therefore, if you don't get it, if you're not a part of the world, if you don't understand how things operate, if you don't know what it means to have to commit commitment, to be on time, to function, he's not a mensch. He's not a mensch. Who's not been Adam? As a result, you can't impose on him Torah responsibilities. What Rav Avram Gajinsky says in the explanation of this, in this, of this Gemara, he was a Mashkech of Slabotka, the father-in-law of the great Rav and others, he says the reason why he's exempt is because he remains a minor. He's a cotton. He has no dice. The reason why a person needs to reach the age of 13 years old to be liable for the mitzvahs is before that time he doesn't understand enough about the world to transcend it. Torah begins where your understanding of the world ends. If you have no understanding of the world and you superimpose Torah on top of that, the result is a mangled deformity. And that's why Rabbi Chaim Vital says the reason why Midot are not mentioned explicitly in the Torah because they are the prerequisite. Without them you can't begin the game. So that's very important to know. It's very important to know. It means that if you think that Torah is going to solve your problems, you're in trouble. The Torah deals with functional people and allows them to transcend. It doesn't deal with dysfunctional people and make them functional. The prerequisite is functionality within emotional world. And then you move on to supernatural behavior. The young man in the front row, that's you. Yes, you. Um, you all following me? Now, given that, as an um, introduction, Let's start to discuss one of the most destructive and perhaps, yes. Um, this is something that I remember my, uh, my mum bringing up when I was talking to her about this. And we were just 
we were just having a conversation, we were talking about um, gambling basically. I've never done it before, um, but like I, I have, uh, I'm not like, I, have, I have friends that do. And like I was just saying, so what exactly, why is gambling so frowned on in Judy? And she basically just told me something that, you know, my grandma uh, told her. And that's uh, basically, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's as if it were a drug addiction basically, and that you put your money down in, I think it's something that's a little bit like a, in the hope that you win, but where you rarely ever do. And then I ask, but what if you do it? Firstly, as a professional, and if you have kind of experience in the game, so that you can kind of hopefully allow the odds to stack up in your favour. Um, and I don't, I don't think, I think she, she just uh, told me that one answer. But uh, based on what we're saying, it makes sense. Even if you're a successful gambler, that means there's a problem with people who gamble and lose. They're stupid. <laughs> we're talking about people who gamble and win. Yeah. Because if he's not gambling and winning, so then he'll leave that profession. <laughs> so tell me, what's your prognosis? I gamble. How much you make? I use. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be problematic. Um, yes, Wills. Playing like with cards though can be a very social thing. You have to learn how to read people's faces when they're nervous, when they're excited. Absolutely. You, you know. Uh, you have to develop like a reputation of oh I'm trustworthy I don't bluff or I do you know like uh, so, so it would probably it, over here we're using masakha pekubia in other words oh. it, it, it's dice so I, I'm not not sure exactly how the game worked but we're assuming that in in a game like perhaps poker mm -hmm. and other such games where there is an element of gambling but there's also a large element of skill. And there's a large element of psychology involved as well, mm -hmm. so then things could be radically different. Mm -hmm. It could be that that, that wouldn't a quinter of shaykhs, I don't know, I luckily would have to research it, but a quinter of shaykhs, perhaps if it gave you that um, emotional intelligence, you'd be able to still testify and still be a judge. What I would wonder if, however, is that in the context of gambling, your use of emotional understanding doesn't necessarily breed other things like integrity. Often the use of emotional understanding breeds manipulation <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how to basically take advantage of your psychological intuition to get people's money and take it away from them. But that being said, that may be most professions. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry? Lawyers, yeah, as you all know, the famous Rowan Atkinson skit where he plays the devil in hell and he's taking a new batch and he's kind of like sorting them out and sending them to the right rooms so he says uh, hello hi I'd like to welcome everyone here today as you can see this is hell um, okay let's get some order over here I'd like murderers yes 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 you motley crew off you go it's the room down there on your left the fiery furnace um, rapist, fourth room on the right, um, bank robbers, <laughs> very nice, take off your mask, go down through the corridor, turn right, the room on your left, it's exactly sulfuric acid. Now, um, petty thieves, there you go, up, yes, you're going to the traction machine, and lawyers. <laughs> and then like Ryan Atkinson goes on and he goes any further and he says, um, 
Now, Christians. <laughs> I'm so sorry, the Jews were right. <laughs> um, <laughs> not appropriate. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, it's brilliant. Have you seen beekeeping? No. Well, thank you. Why don't we just like now have a Rowan Atkinson, you know? If you want to. I'd love to, but maybe not now. So, therefore, a prerequisite for the adherence to Torah and to the mitzvahs start with an emotionally healthy person and then they build him. But if a person's emotionally unhealthy, so then it could be that mission, I've seen it with my own two eyes, our mitzvahs actually can actually aggravate that and cause further emotional disturbance, which is quite scary and horrible. So don't do that. Rather, work on yourself. Uh, good. So now we're on to anger. Now, anger in terms of being an emotionally destructive force within a person is one of the big hits. It really is, both metaphorically and physically. <laughs> big hitting. And anger, according to Mrs. Shoshim, he divides it up into a series of different levels. He goes and he starts off with the most extreme expression of anger, but in doing so, he reveals the mechanic upon which anger works. And he says, and this is in chapter 11 of the Path of the Just, in the section dealing with the trait known as nekius, which means cleanliness of spirit. There is the angry person, that Chazal say of him, and this is an interesting expression, any person that gets angry, it's as if he's worshipped idols. Now that seems to be a bit of a extreme comparison. If anger is so bad that it's akin to doing, possibly in the Jewish context, the most severe, or at least one of the top three, of the severe cardinal sins, and anger is equated to that. A person that gets angry as if he's worshipped idols. Now, obviously, when the Gemara, it's a Gemara in. Um, yeah. Where is the Gemara? It's a Gemara in Soita. He doesn't quote it here on the bottom, but as far as I know, it's a Gemara in Soita. When the Gemara says that, the Gemara is just not making a casual comparison. The Gemara means that whatever Avodah Zorah has in it, so does anger. And when a person expresses anger, there's an element of idolatry involved. So if we kind of research the root of idolatry, it's quite simple. There's a notion of monotheism, and there's a notion of polytheism. Monotheism means a notion of a one God. It goes further than that. It goes further in terms of the power that the, that particular being has over creation. And in the Jewish concept, the power is absolute in terms of going down to the nitty-gritty details of life. In other words, there's nothing in the world which transpires without divine volition. There's always consent to it from the divine source. There's nothing which can happen in the world which wasn't divinely ordained. God wants it to happen, it happens. If it doesn't, it can't. So everything happens. Now, there's a complexity of how does evil exist, etc., etc. There's a lot of different philosophical issues which need to be discussed in terms of, in that context, the role of evil. But, 
The overriding principle of Judaism is that things happen for a reason. They're orchestrated. They're ordained. God agrees with them, and therefore they should be as they are. That's the basic philosophical point of Judaism. One of the 13 principles of faith. The notion of Avodah Zorah is, of idolatry, is that there are multiple forces in the world, each one having his own independent power to control. These gods, as it were, control different aspects of creation. And if you pay homage to them, you can bribe them into um, getting what you want out of them, basically. That seems to be the theme, certainly in the ancient world, of offering things to gods and temples in order to get their grace and get what from they, whatever they control, you'll get out from them. But essentially what Avodah Zorah does is it deposes the Creator from His throne and it puts someone else in His place. In other words, it says that, no, there's not one powerful Creator that controls everything. The way the world works is based on other factors. The paradigm for anger, ironically, is precisely that. A person can only get angry to say it in extreme terms, but it's accurate. A person can only get angry when he assumes his place on the throne of God. Because the Mesitraim goes on to explain that the result of anger is A person that gets angry, and these are the crucial words, on everything which goes against what he wants to be. The paradigm of an angry person works in the following way. Because I want it, it will be. Because I want the food to still be on the table when I get back, therefore it should. And if it's not, how can that be? You have gone against my will. And the, 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 the futility, the fantasy of anger is that your will actually controls the world. Because you want it, it will be. And if anyone dares to disobey you, they should be destroyed. They should be destroyed. So the point of anger is the paradigm. The paradigm of anger is I am God. What is God? God is the creator who wills the world into being and things obey his will. That's great. But you don't understand God. I'm God. If I'm late for a meeting and there's a traffic jam, I will get angry. Why? Because since I want to be there on time, therefore there can be no traffic. The only person being that can say that is God who controls everything. If you don't control everything and you get angry, it must be because you think you can control things. And if you think you can control things, it means you think you're God. So if you think you, if you get angry, it's a being angry is worshiping idols. Who's the idol you worship? Yourself. It's a wills. You don't want to say something about that. But there is one thing we can control, which is whether we do it in a or Oh, that's a fascinating point. Self-anger is a very interesting discussion to be had. We've explored it briefly in the context of the Gemara Brochas, which says, A person should get his good inclination angry over his evil inclination. 
So that's a fascinating point where we'll have to try to apply our mechanism of anger to that particular situation. In the moment, we're going to discuss anger in its negative sense. Okay? Anger in its negative sense means that when things don't go the way I want them to go, I get upset. Because, because I want them to go the way, therefore they should. That is called stupid. Kas bechek kesilim yanuach, says the Pasuk in Mishle. Anger in the bosoms of fools does it rest. A person who gets angry, he is by, perforce, foolish. He's stupid. Because anger is a stupid emotion. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's dumb. It is. It is. It's just, um, again, by my intonation and my tone of voice, one would assume, obviously, that I'm not the type of person that gets angry. I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay. Um, rather, what I'm saying is I'm describing from an objective perspective what anger is, and please God, uh, we should overcome it because it's just so idiotic. It's really idiotic. It's really, really stupid. So it's funny. In other words, anger works and I want something. When my want doesn't pan out, so I get upset. Why do I get upset? It must be that I think. Anger is the explosion caused by the collision of what I want to an external obstruction. Whenever uh, the reality conflicts with my will, the explosion results is anger. The premise is, because I want it, that will create reality. That's called avodazara. That's called idolatry. That's called placing yourself in the throne of the Creator and thinking, because you want it, the world will be that way. That's stupid, because it's not true. And you know it's not true, because it keeps on going against your will. <laughs> you know it's not correct. I want there to be no traffic, and there's traffic. So you say, that's ridiculous! But there's still traffic. <laughs> Slowly, slowly, we haven't dealt with how you deal with anger. We're just describing the mechanism. When you start to disassemble the machine to see what's going wrong, before you fix it, you have to know what's going wrong. If you don't understand what's going wrong, you'll never understand how to resolve the problem. What we're doing now, okay, is we're just trying to understand the problem and how it works. Once we understand how it works, then we can start to think of ways of... Yes? You said anger is like a stupid... Stupid emotion. In terms of like logic of like your logic of your brain, right? And it's illogical. It's, it's, it's irrational. Emotion, Absolutely. So, so you're that so certain emotions can be consistent with intellectual integrity. You see a person and you, you feel a person who's destitute, and you feel a sense of compassion. There's no conflict between emotion and intellect. Anger will always conflict with intellect. There's no there's no room for an intellectual and except for perhaps David will mention which we'll discuss later on, that's an exception to the but the the clow, the principle of anger is it's intellectually completely irrational. If a person subscribes to it, he loses rationality. Many times, in fact, the common vernacular expresses a thought. A person will say when he got angry, I lost myself. Who's the self you lost? the sound, mature, intellectually thinking individual. Where did you lose him to? I, left, I lost him to this evil menace that took over the throne and started to filter my brain with such rubbish along the lines of because I wanted it will be. Because I wanted it will be. Purely understanding the absurdity of anger is the beginning of the process of curing ourselves from this ridiculous disease. So I understand. So that's number one. Point number one is the understanding of the mechanic. The mechanic is quite straightforward. Anger occurs when I want something. There's an obstruction to that want. 
my resultant response is fury the paradigm that it works within is because I want it it will be that paradigm is sheer absurdity stupidity irrationality illogicality rubbish garnished stuss hevel ha volume mamash stuyot balabayot sorry I've run out of adjectives um, good how are we going so far are you starting to get frustrated the fact that I'm just belaboring this point I can see people angry, are starting angry. to you know, guys are starting to like, get really perturbed just calm down guys calm down frustration is part of anger frustration is the is the start that's like the it's, 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 it's a low grade anger there's different grades there's the ex- absolute there's a spectrum right there's the explosion of fury there's the I'm not going to say anything to him purse lips there's the mild irritation there's the passive aggressive where you bury the anger inside and then it just kind of transmutes into sometimes sometimes it changes to depression sometimes it changes to stomach ulcer there's different types of ways that anger yeah isn't that wonderful so Pekitsa, what we have to do is we have to rid ourselves of this evil evil demon how do we do that so the process is really very straightforward um, oh gosh, looks like we run out of time. Um, maybe another time. <laughs> um, it is true that we've almost run out of time, but let's um, perhaps let's perhaps just start off with a a direction of an approach. Step number one in dealing with the melody of anger is the recognition of the fact that this emotion is an unhealthy expression of self and starting to wean ourselves off the insidious idea that anger has a justifiable role to play in my life. If I can respond to the occurrences in which I get angry by saying to myself, regardless of the provocation that involved my anger, the response of anger was negative, then I've already taken a step in the right direction. Many people can live an entire lifetime speaking about all the times where they were angry and how justified they were. You can't believe what he did to me. I was to am and he took. Can you imagine? How dare he? How dare he? How dare he? That means you haven't reached level one. Level one is regardless of whether the person did what was right or wrong, the response of anger is inappropriate. You can say, wow, it's amazing how that person cut in front of me, almost causing me to careen off the <laughs> side of the road and fall, fall down a 600 meter drop. Hmm, fascinating, shocking driving. But the <laughs> response of anger is inappropriate. So step number one is acknowledging the illegitimacy of incorporating the middle as a movement towards self-perfection. I'm not saying the emotion has to be declared taboo we have to deal with emotions learn how to move beyond them not outlaw them but nevertheless we have to have a philosophical realization that this is an inappropriate way of dealing with situations that doesn't get anyone anywhere that's step number one and not to proudly recount all the times when we got angry and say and you have no idea I showed him I mama showed him he and then I he got me and then 
I took out my right hand and I placed it firmly and I punished my fist against his nose several times. <laughs> and believe you me, he'll never ever do that again until the next time he does it. <laughs> okay, boys, so we'll stop there and hopefully we'll continue in our anger therapy session. I'd just like to thank, could these people open up the back doors there so there's no crowding in terms of the parking session. Thank you, gentlemen. That will be all.